חגיגה דף י"א עמוד ב', Biased Listening, אין דורשין בעיירות בשלושה. We start a new parak, it's the second parak of Chagig, called Ein Dorshin, which are the opening words of the parak. Ein Dorshin ba'arayot bishlosha, that one may not teach laws of arayot in groups of three or more. Arayot means the laws of intersexual behavior, and it covers the full range of intersexual behavior, from minor infringements of a man and a woman being alone together, uh, to more serious transgressions like adultery. Uh, and what is the reason that we can't teach these laws and the details, the specifics of these laws in groups of, of three or more? Uh, that is because, Rav, as Ravashi explains in the Gemara, that when teaching two students, even if one of the students is dialoguing with the Rav, asking a question the Rav is answering, the other student is available to listen attentively to that dialogue and to hear what the Rav is saying with all its subtleties. But if there are three people or more, if there are three, one might be engaging in a dialogue with the Rebbe, and the other two who are not engaged in that dialogue, they have a conversation on the side among themselves, and they could miss the subtleties of something that the Rav says. And as a result of that misinformation, later on, if they become Rabbanim and they're paskening or in their own lives, they might allow a situation in the area of Arayot, which the Halakha does not allow. And this is something particularly serious, as we learned on Davtet Amud Aleph, there are some things that once distorted, you can't straighten them out again. And you remember that the Mishnah said there, that part of the, one of the things this applies to are the laws of Arayot, that where there's an improper sexual relationship, the damage it causes to people is such that it can't be undone later on. It can't be reversed. It can't be erased. Uh, it's, uh, it's, a, it's permanent damage. And so when it comes to matters of Arayot, to the sexual relationships between individuals and in society, we're incredibly careful and very specific so that nothing goes wrong in this particular area. Uh, why is that not the case with all laws, with all halachot? Why should one then say that we can never teach halacha to more than three people for that very same reason? Two people might be engaged in conversation and might miss some of the subtleties of that halacha. The, 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 the Gemara explains that gezel v'arayot nafshon mechamdetan u'mit'aveh lahem. That when it comes to the area of business, honesty, and... Arayot, sexual impropriety, people have an insatiable desire for more. And mit'avelahem, they have a passion for, for more. And that could cause the distortion, that could cause the misunderstanding. Now, there are two different ways to understanding the concern, to understand the concerns of the Gemara and of the Mishnah of Chazal uh, as to the nature of this misunderstanding. The one is the Rambam and the other is Rabbi Avraham Minahar. The Rambam says that These young people who might be studying with the Rav don't understand him correctly. Then they go out and become Rabbanim themselves or in their own lives. A doubt might arise. They're not quite sure about a situation. And they may adopt a lenient resolution because they're not quite sure what the halakha is and they might be to adopt a more lenient resolution. So proper attentiveness while studying reduces their possibility of doubt. If you've learned the halakhot correctly, 
and you've studied well with your Rebbe, with the person who's taught you those halachot, there's less possibility that you're going to encounter a doubt which might lead you, because of the nature of this arena of human activity, might lead you to a more lenient resolution, and that could have very serious consequences. So the concern about, according to the Rambam, is that because you didn't understand all the halachot, you might find yourself in a position of having to make a decision where the halacha is not clear to you, and you might take a more lenient view. Um, the Rabbeinu Avraham in Hahar, and this is a, a Rishon that I've uh, mentioned to you before. Uh, he was 14th century in south of France, uh, one of the very important Rishonim, but we didn't know a whole lot about him until in the 1950s, an amazing researcher, an enormous Talmud Chacham by the name of Rav Moshe Yehuda Blau, who lived in New York at the time. He had studied in the yeshivas in Europe and was able to escape um, through Shanghai with Mir Yeshiva and, and uh, eventually come to the United States. And he did some amazing research and found the manuscripts of Rabbi Avraham in Ahar and was able to, to publish them over the coming, uh, over the subsequent years. And Rabbi Avraham in Ahar learns a little differently from the Rambam or maybe is giving his interpretation of the Rambam, which he often does. And he says, the concern there, according to Rabbi Avraham in Ahar, is that they might not have heard the rabbi's pronouncement of the prohibition uh, when he was teaching. And what Rabbi Avraham in Ahar is suggesting here is that the accuracy of listening is distorted by the biases of the listener. That if the listener has a bias, then there are things he or she won't hear. If the listener has a bias, there are things that he or she will filter. And when one's learning subtle halachot in an area as important as arayot, that filtering and that bias could lead to the type of consequences which can never again be corrected. And that's what we're concerned about, uh, about avoiding. Uh, because one's natural passions, this idea of that one has an insatiable desire for that, that can lead to a situation of inherent bias uh, forcing one or causing one to hear what you want to hear rather than to hear what is actually being said. And this is an important element in, in listening. In the parsha of, of Ekev, Vaya Ekev Tishmun, when the Torah says, and it will be as a result of Tishmun, of you listening to the Torah and to the mitzvot. Unclus translates, as he often does, the word tishmun, listening, as tekablun, that you accept it, that you take in what, what it is that I'm saying. This idea of kabbalah. Kabbalah is a phrase nowadays that is very popular and very trendy. But the meaning of kabbalah is to take in, to accept without filtering, uh, to receive. Kabbalah really means to receive. And for a person to be a bait kibul, a person to be a receptacle of wisdom, to be able to hear what is being taught without filtering and without bias. Later on, you can take what you've heard and you can analyze it and you can apply it and you can integrate it as one has to do. But during the listening process, it's terribly important that we listen without the filters and, the, and without the biases. And, and how do we do that? Because we all have our biases and we all have our passions and our desires that we see from this Gemara actually affect what we hear and how we hear it. And we all know from countless examples in our own experience of people who haven't heard us correctly 
or who we haven't heard correctly. And the reason is because we haven't heard every nuance. We haven't listened carefully because of those biases. So one has to be very aware of the fact that there could be biases and check in with oneself. Am I listening cleanly? Am I listening without that bias? And to be enormously attentive, as you see from the, the Mishnah, the mechanism that the Mishnah uses and says, well, then don't teach three people, teach only two at a time, so that at no time is one free to be uh, speaking to the other. Of course, today, the issue would apply even, even with two, because if the one is engaged in a discussion with his Rebbe, the other one might be on his cell phone uh, and, and distracted. And so it's so important when one is listening not to be talking to somebody else at the same time, not to be writing a text at the same time or an email at the same time, not to be engaged on one's cell phone or engaged in a conversation with somebody else or reading somebody with something else at the same time. If it's not worth listening to with full attention, then don't listen to it at all. Because to listen to something with partial attention guarantees that what you hear is not what was said. And that's where countless misunderstandings come from, that people, what people hear is not what people said, and certainly not what people attended, intended to say. Uh, and, and so we've got to be so attentive and so aware of how we listen and the cleanness with which we listen. But the other element that we learn from this is that when speaking to other people, one need to be, needs to be aware of their possible filters and biases, not to assume that because we've said something, whether publicly or in a one-on-one -on -one conversation, not to assume that the other person heard exactly what we intended to say, because they come with their biases and with their filters, and so we need to check. Have they heard us correctly? What did they hear? Um, and especially if they're not being fully attentive, we have to know that the chances of them having heard us are, are minimal. Uh, and worse than not hearing us at all is hearing us in a fashion that is distorted. This idea of that sometimes something which is distorted can lead to an outcome that can never be repaired. And that's specifically in the area when one is listening and hearing not what is being said and not what is being attended, intended. And especially in the area of halacha, where this has ramifications, practical ramifications in life, and even more specifically, when it's in areas as important as arayot, where the consequences of mishearing, misinterpreting, and therefore misapplying what one has heard could lead to consequences that cannot be, that cannot be repaired. So each of us needs to practice listening, and listening with, with openness and listening without bias and with clarity. Each of us needs to practice speaking clearly and checking that the people we're speaking to have truly understood what we've said.